0: Welcome to Women's Football Success. This is episode 1902. Super excited about the new year. I hope everybody's getting ready for football and uh, taking care of the New Year's resolutions. So really quick, again, this is episode 1902. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. Um, I'm also co-owner of Dallas Elite Women's Football Team in the Women's Football Alliance. Really quick a disclaimer, I am also an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. All the information provided on our audio, digital, or print materials, whether it's books, blogs, or content, is all business information. It is not legal information. None of the information I provide constitutes or creates a attorney-client relationship between us. So if you have an issue related to women's football or any other subject, you wanna talk to an attorney that's experienced in that type of law in the jurisdiction where you have the problem. So I hope you guys understand that. This is all business information for women's football. So real quick, this is an exciting week for us. Um, Actually, I just had my birthday. I don't really celebrate birthdays or or share that much of that information, so. if you put something on Facebook, thank you so much, but um, I don't really um, share birthday stuff. With that being said, um, how about them Cowboys, Woo So I'm super excited that the Steelers are not in the playoffs and the Cowboys are. I'm just saying, shout out to Coach Mike Ellington. Uh, it's a first, I know, but Dallas is in the playoffs and you're not, anyway. So I wanted to share today a few things, kind of getting ready for January, February, and women's football because all of the uh, schedules are out, so everybody pretty much knows where and what they're doing, so we're going to talk a lot about that today. I wanted to share with you the women's football calendar that I produced probably four months ago or so. I tried to do it. just in time. I don't know if you guys are familiar with just in time inventory or just in time reporting. Uh, So I'm trying to give you the content you need just in time for you to use it, as opposed to just throwing it all at you and saying, holy crap, what do I do? So in January, um, things start to heat up. December, you had some time off, uh, maybe took the month off or whatever. And now January is a huge uh, month for women's football and when things just start to get rolling. So January, we begin preseason workouts. A lot of teams will do a mini camp, um, usually the end of December, beginning of January. Um, The Dallas Elite actually have ours on this next weekend, the 11th or the 12th and 13th. We'll have our contract signing on the 11th and we'll have our first mini camp, the 12th and 13th. So things are starting to get underway. I apologize, I just heard the train go by again. I'm at my downtown office today, so hopefully that doesn't distract you or me. Um, Again, I sometimes get phone calls in the middle of this. I'll just bleep them out or tell them that I'll call them later. Uh, So you're going to begin preseason workouts in January. You're also going to establish your player fee uh, payment plans if you haven't already. And I'll help to back you into that with some of the stuff that we're going to do today. You also want to distribute Football 101 if you have. Some sort of document that is football 101. Um, now's the time to distribute that, especially to your rookies. A lot of the people do, you know, they love football. They like to watch it. Some of them don't know that it's it's four downs to get ten yards. The difference between a, a punt and a kick, and you know, all these different things. Uh, so. It's very important to get some sort of football 101 out there. I have created a football 101. It's about, I want to say it's 10, 12 pages, but it's really about vocab, terms, um, the rules of the game, and kind of positions. It's really cute. We got the positions of the people all on there. So it's a really good resource for people that might be embarrassed to ask questions about football or about the foundational football elements because maybe your team starts at a different level. Most of the teams need to get back to football 101 at the beginning of the season, every season, because a lot of times in women's football, we have individuals come on to the team like right before April or in April and May. You have new players that came on last year because you were struggling with numbers. And they didn't get really the foundational information. They were kind of just told, go here, do this on this play. When we call this, you do that. Um, so a lot of the players, even from last year, might need a refresher on football 101. What I like about this document is it allows women to not be too self-conscious about it. They can read it, read it, read it about 100 times if they want. And if they still don't get it, then they can ask their coach, uh, maybe in private if they don't feel right. Women's football is different than youth football and men's football. Uh, sometimes women get a little nervous about not knowing all the things knowing everything and they don't want to ask questions so uh, football 101 allows you to get some foundational information um, without feeling like you have to ask a bunch of questions and then go to your coach and ask the questions or go to another player a veteran player that is uh, helpful in those those areas Um, also you'll want to verify all player documents Um, make sure uh, liability waivers are signed and that's not legal advice but most teams will have a, pl- a player contract, a player liability waiver, and a league liability waiver. Um, but that all depends on what um, situation you're in and who you're working with. Um, the other thing is to verify usernames and passwords for streaming, streamlined communication. Some players that had a username or email address last year. It might not be the same address this year. So you really just need to update any of that information so that we know what's going on. You also need to make sure that the communication that your team picks is reaching all of the players. Um, There's been times in the past where we set up communication and three or four are always left out because they never signed up for the emails or never got into a group or whatever. So make sure that you're doing that, make sure that you're promoting good uh, streamlined communication within your team. Next, I wanna talk about season planning, which I talked about uh, establishing the player fee payment plan. If you haven't done that already, um, now's the time to do it. Um, Some of you have probably already told players uh, if there is a player fee, how much it is, et cetera. So I am a planner, as you guys could tell, with my business planning and teaching people how to plan their businesses, etc. So I am a big planner. I don't know if you guys um, have a paper planner, a phone planner, whatever. I, I will recommend, because this happened to me last year, I recommend that if you have your planner and your dates on your phone, that you also have it on paper somewhere, maybe in an organizer of some sort, uh, because... You could possibly leave your iPhone on an airplane in Atlanta, or you could not wake up and your phone's not working. All that content, all that information is lost. So I recommend two forms, even if you are diligent about putting information on your iPhone or your other phone. Um, I'm trying to think of other phones. I've always had iPhone, Samsung, whatever the hell it is. Anyway. Um, you want to have it in two forms at least. sometimes three um, is what I do, but some people think I'm crazy about that, but I really have to have it in different areas for different reasons. So I have a marketing planner, I have a, a football planner, I have my uh, law practice and my consulting planner, and then I have my iPhone. But I try to keep everything up to date and know where everything is. so, But you guys don't have to do that. A good, one good paper planner and an iPhone will do it for you. So let me share with you how um, we typically plan out the season and this is for people or teams that are newer or are struggling with um, setting up schedules and knowing when events are gonna happen. So first thing I do is I, um, we start with the season, we backtrack that's how we determine what date we're going to start our contract signing and mini camp. Um, we chose this year because we would have done it this weekend. However, we already had a conflict in the schedule months ago. So we knew that we were going to have to do our contract signing and mini camp the second week of January. But Coach Mike always likes to start it uh, sooner rather than later. So we're doing the second week of January. So what I do is we actually go all the way to July 1st, July We begin with July, I guess I should say. So we backtrack and I start with the championship um, and then the bye week and the uh, third round playoffs and then the bye before that. And then I go back into June. Okay, so I'm just mapping out my basic calendar at first. Um, And I'm gonna share with you because you guys all know the schedule, um, the dates that we go different places. So we do, then I go to playoffs round two, the bye week, And I'm going backwards, guys, to playoff round one at Houston Energy, home versus Kansas City. Um, And then we have a bye week, and then we're at Austin, at Arlington, home versus energy. And, again, I don't want to confuse you, but I'm going backwards. So now I'm into April. And I'm on April 27th, home against Austin, April 20th at Houston Power. And April 13th, Home versus Camo. That's a new team down by Austin. Used to be the Yellow Jackets, I guess. Um, And then we have a bye week the first week. So I plan all that out. And then, of course, I get our mini camp in here. So I have these months, uh, February and March, where it's basically practices every week. Uh, We do three practices a week. We have some requirements for our team, which I can share with anybody that wants to um, we try to create kind of a standard unified way of doing things. So the players know where they're at, the coaches know where they stand, and everybody knows what's supposed to happen. So what I do is, so for example, if you're creating a p- player payment plan, right, and your goal is to have them all paid by April 1st, Um, then you can backtrack into that and set up some sort of payment plan um, that accommodates your players. Now, what we've done is we've already started our payment plan. Um, Our players have started doing stuff in um, late October, early November, um, doing their payment plan so that they can have things taken care of by April and there's no questioning. There's no uh, people getting upset because people haven't paid their player fee, et cetera. So, That's all good. The other thing that you need to put in here is your fundraisers. Um, Any raffles that you're doing, any parties that you're doing, any events that you're going to. Now I always suggest that um, teams be a little conservative on this. And the reason I say that is events will come up later on too. So having 17 events or parties or fundraisers altogether, seventeen of them, can be a little overwhelming. If you can really concentrate on five, six, seven, eight different things, including parties, events, fundraisers, etc., community involvement, then you can really i I really get more bang for my buck because I'm not asking players to go run around in circles every week. But I mean, it's it's all up to the team and how much. Uh, how many different events they're having and what kind of fundraisers they're doing um, to be able to create that. Um, So what we do next is back out to the player payment plan um, and map that out of when they're supposed to pay for what um, and how long uh, a leeway they have on that. The other thing that we want to do is focus on not having too many fundraisers back-to-back throughout the season and not having too many events all in one month. So for example, I just wanna share like in January, I put a little bit about this out there. Um, If you're gonna do a fundraiser, you might not wanna do a party. Or if you're gonna do a a community involvement event, then the fundraiser might wanna stop before the community involvement event or start afterwards. You just don't wanna overwhelm everybody and have so much going on that they're not sure what direction to go or who they're supposed to pay or what payment plan they're on, etc. Um, So that helps to keep things kind of smooth running. Now, of course, you can have in February, you can actually use the holidays that are coming up to um, promote those things. Um, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, I'm not sure what's in April, uh, April Fool's or Spring Break, whatever. Uh, May, Mother's Day, a lot of people try to do, or they'll do Memorial Day for veterans. There's a variety of different things. Um, the other thing that I also do for planning is we determine after what game do we need to decide whether we are doing post-season fundraisers and events. So determine depending on how you are progressing throughout the year, you have to kind of evaluate Oh, wow, we've won our first four games. We're going into our fifth game. Is it time to start fundraising for a playoff? Yes. It's never too early. The trick is, is that people don't want to fundraise for a playoff game, and then you don't go to a playoff game. Does that make sense? So that has to be a, a different kind of fundraising in case you don't go to the playoff that you thought you were going to go to. So, I have a hard time kind of. A lot of people title it postseason travel or uh, get me to the finals or get me to the championship uh, funding. Um, it's really important that you word that correctly so that um, somebody can't come back and say, wait, we put that in for postseason travel and you guys aren't traveling postseason. Does that make sense? Okay. Anyway, so we go through, even in season, we go through different things and we find out, like, for example, um, in April, we have a bye week, the first week of play. So there's a couple things that we could do with that. And this is what your team and your coaches and your support staff need to sit down and look at this together and map out strategies. When I say strategies, not necessarily just football on the field strategy, right? But also strategy for success. So that bye week on the 6th, I could be holding a party. That brings in a $1, thousand, twelve hundred dollars. I could be doing a fundraising event. I could be doing a community 5K, or we could be sending people to different games to scout, all different kinds of things. Um, and then, same thing in May, you got to look at. So, for example, our team has a bye week on the 25th of May, which is right. Let's see here, June. Is that right before? Hold on. Okay, so we have a bye week, May 25th, and then we'll have two more games before the first round of the playoffs. So strategically, I could plan several things during that week of the 19th through the 25th in anticipation of those last two games and then a a first round playoff game. I'm not telling you guys how to do this. I'm just giving you suggestions on what you can do during the season um, with a good plan. You can actually make a lot of things happen and not come to the end of the season and have issues with travel. Um, It's very important to make sure as far as funding is concerned. So let's talk about this real quick. So let's just talk about a basic team. We're not sure if we're going to the playoffs. We're not even worried about that yet. Okay. So we're over here in June. Hold on. I'm passing back and forth through my uh, through my organizer. Anyway, so in June, playoff round 1 is the 15th. So all of our games are going to be done before the 9th of June. Ideally, the goal, right? Our first basic main goal is to have zero forfeits from all teams throughout the WFA, what you need to do is take your funding, whatever your funding is from player fees, whatever your funding is from sponsorships, and you need to spread that out over the whole season. Now, mine's gonna look different from yours because my games go different places and do different things on different days. I'll give you an example. You wanna strategically place your fundraising during times to get the funds before you have to spend the funds, if that makes sense. Again, just-in-time theory or just-in-time method. I'm gonna give an example right here at the beginning of the season. April 6th is a bye week, okay? So I could use that week as an extra week of fundraising because I know I'm gonna be at home on the 13th and I have to make sure that I have my money for my stadium money for my officials, my announcers. So each team's strategic plan on this is gonna be different, but the idea is to make sure that you know that you're gonna have the money for your home game a week at least, or two weeks before that home game. Now, if you're struggling on funds, you want, that's, this is what I'm talking about. If you guys are have a bunch of funds and you know everything's gonna be smooth and great all season long, That's not who I'm talking to. I'm talking to those teams that are not sure how to budget this out. So you wanna make sure for a home game that you have your stadium fees, your announcer fees, anything you need to buy for concession stand, any t-shirts or merch that you're making for the game, okay? Now an away game, the next week, we have an away game to Houston. Now for us, that's a travel. Um, now, this is where I tell people to hold up on the buses, okay? Hold up on the bus. I know that you think the buses are cool and it's awesome, but if you can get vans for 600 bucks instead of a bus for 6000 or even 2000 3000 save the money on that first trip, please, uh, because it may be a huge benefit for those teams that are struggling in June, okay? So at Houston Power, So I need to make sure as an owner that I have enough money to pay for uh, either vans or gas money or hotels or whatever we decide to do and provide, I need to make sure that I have that money two weeks before I'm supposed to provide it, okay? The next week, again, is a, a home game against Austin. I need, again, the stadium money. And the announcer's fees, the referee's fees, all that stuff. So as a, a team, you should be putting a number next to these. Okay, the home game plus the officials, that's going to cost me $2,000. And then the away game to Houston Power, that's only going to cost me $700. And then the next home game is another $2,000. So that you can actually create your budget here or estimate your budget just on games. That doesn't include practice fields and... Um, What do we call it? Um, A scrimmage going down to another place or meeting another team in a location for a scrimmage. That's not including all this stuff. Okay, so if you don't think you're going to have the funds to do this, don't go traveling and spending three thousand dollars to do a scrimmage. Save your money so that you can actually get through the season. Okay, so I'm going to move on to May just to kind of give you an idea of how we do this. You guys should be doing this now so that you know how much, you know, we did a basic budget months ago. I I sent out a basic and an intermediate budget for teams that are at a certain budget level. If you're struggling to get to that budget, give me a call. We'll work on some strategies, Um, but I want to make sure that these teams are um, doing whatever they can not to have forfeits and to have money left over at the end of the season. Okay, so then our next game in May. So again, every team is gonna do can do this, and each uh, budget's gonna be a little different. Not too much different, but a little different. It'll depend on whether you're live streaming, um, whether you have photographers and videographers, um, whether you do concession stands or not do concession stands. Those are all things that are gonna. De- uh, those are all things that are going to uh, change your budget from another team. Okay. So on May 4th, we have a home game again, um, two grand about. And then we have an away game at Arlington Impact, which is a huge advantage to us. A lot of teams get this advantage throughout the season because of the location. It's not because I earned it or because we're so special, but a lot of teams, okay, (coughs) we have 70 teams throughout the U.S. Some teams have other teams very, very close to them. And that is a business advantage financially for one team over the other. It doesn't make them a better team or make them win football games, but financially it gives them an advantage because for me to travel to Arlington, it cost me 10 cents. Okay. We go to Arlington, it's 30 miles away from where we usually practice. um, So all the players just drive themselves there that I saved $2,000 or I saved the $600 I would have paid for an away game there, right? Uh, The next game is at Austin. We go to Austin every year. Um, And again, if you need buses, if you feel that you have to have buses, that's all on you guys. But a trip to Austin, most of our girls want to stay there the whole weekend. Sometimes they go up on Friday the day before um, and stay with friends and family. If you have a situation like that, then it's just a benefit to your organization. It's nothing that I did better or anything like that. But ideally, if you want some of those financial advantages, then we need to recruit teams that are close by other teams. Now, I'm not talking 10 minutes away. The Arlington Impact and the Dallas Elite, we work well together. We're able to um, compromise. We don't steal each other's players. We don't try and talk to other players, or and we don't try to get information, that that kind of thing. So it works very well. But if you could get a team that's, say, 102 miles away as opposed to 500 miles, then you both, both teams uh, get an advantage from that. Both teams win out of that. So anyway, we go to Austin, and then uh, the 25th we have a bye week, which gets us ready for – hold on. I, haven't, I'm, I don't have it memorized or anything. Not like Coach Mike, who's a weirdo. But okay, so then June 1st, uh, we have a home game versus Kansas City. Again, I know I need to have $2,000, but two weeks, at least two weeks. Some, it'd be better if you have this money in the, in the pot, in the bank account, before the season even starts. And that's what our goal is. That's what we do. We try to have all of our money and our sponsorship stuff Um, set before the season even starts. But in situations where you cannot do that um, you'll want to make sure that you have the home game money again two weeks before. And then we travel again to Houston. So how many trips to Houston is that? See again Coach Mike probably has this all memorized and I just kind of go where I'm told. Um, Let's see here. Houston Power and Houston Energy. So we go to Houston twice, which is great for us. We don't have to go super far, but um, again, uh, we determine what our budget is for that trip and we go. But very important is uh, the newer teams or the teams that are confused about (coughs) the budgeting. Sorry, I gotta get another cough drop. Um, This is a great way to kind of back out of your budget And then you can go step by step, knowing what you have, knowing what you need. And we can talk about that individually if you want. Um, If you don't want to put all your stuff out there and you want it done in confidence, that's fine. Uh, We can go through a a plan of how much and where you're going to go. Um, I have a list of resources um, to help lower costs for teams for either away or home home travel. home expenses, or away travel. So I'm sorry, I have this tickle in my throat that is just itching all the time, so I'm just like living off of cough drops. And Diet Pepsi, of course. But um, So I hope that has helped you guys uh, with season planning or or scheduling. So my next discussion, I just wanted to... Hold on, let's see where my time is. Um, I wanted to get into... Oh my gosh, why will it not go? There we go. Okay, so we're doing good on time. I'm sitting at about 30 minutes. So what I wanted to talk about is um, the next topic, legitimizing women's football. And what that means is really getting women's football to a place where it can be taken seriously on a national level. So let's talk about women's football, where we've been and where we can go, okay? Women's football has a long, long, long history. Um, One of the best sources in women's football for the history of the sport or the industry is the owner of the Toledo Reign. She's kept an extensive historical accounting of the sport. And I shared that a long time ago when we had... um, A women's football kind of, it was like an online magazine. We shared the history of women's football and she had it laid out there like dates and times and scores and all the games and everything. So um, the blue bonnets uh, way back in the day, Um, which is super fun to, you know, see that women's football is coming along. Um, I will tell you that in the 50s and 60s, there was the same amount of teams then than there are now. So in that perspective, um, the growth of women's football is struggling. Um, however, if you look at it for, over the last three, four years, it some things are growing and some things are not. Um, the people interested in having a team and playing on a team has grown people interested in watching the games has not. So fan base and uh, people in the stands has decreased over the last five years for for teams. And that's unfortunate. What we need to do is fix that problem in women's football. But um, we need to start with understanding the history of women's football and how it was very successful then. Um, but it just didn't take off the way it should have. And I don't know, I'm not privy to those uh, reasons why it didn't take off at that time. I just know that um, women's football was the new thing um, several years ago, 30, 40, 50 years ago, Um, but it just for some reason didn't take off. So at some point in the history of women's football, Um, They did like quarters would be played during halftime shows um, for major NFL games. And then sometimes right afterwards, um, I know that we have a team, Knoxville Lightning, I think are playing the Thunder um, in a game. It's a game after a game. So there's going to be an NFL game and then the Knoxville Lightning play the Thunder right afterwards. So that's, that's something that happened years ago. And it's great that it's kind of reappearing. Um, I think that there's a big presence, a big push for women, e- women's equality and, and recognizing women in sports. So that, that really is going to help elevate that. But women's football has seen leagues come and go, including the WPFL, the NWFA, the IWFL, There has not been any news whether the IWFL will be continuing into the 2019 season, but I haven't seen anything um, as far as schedule, so I'm not sure if they're playing. Um, They were around for a long, long time. Today, the Women's Football Alliance, WFA, um, which is the league that the Dallas Elite play in, is the biggest the best, most successful women's football league in the United States. Um, I have to do a shout out to the WFA um, and kind of not defend, um, because I don't think they need to be defended, but I think that a lot of people need to understand that within the industry of women's football and the, the comment boards and all that kind of stuff, so many people have great ideas in theory that they feel will work in women's football. And I, I'm i not knocking anybody else's theories, um, but what needs to happen is that you need to take that theory and you need to poke holes, you need to bounce ideas off that theory and see if it is feasible. Now, if you don't really understand what I'm talking about, that's fine, just... You know, you can mute me or whatever. But the idea is, is that everybody has all these wonderful ideas that they think are the best for women's football. Sometimes those ideas have already been implemented and have been found to be failures. And that's why the, the leagues don't use them anymore. Um, sometimes leagues will find ideas, they'll implement them um, because they feel like maybe somebody has a strong argument about certain things. Um for example, I'll give you an example. Um, we never used to have tiers in the WFA, um, but there was a lot of complaints about not having a tier system in the in women's football, and it's a catch twenty two, really. Personally, I feel because while the it seems good in theory, it's not practical in real life, and the reason I say that is. The reason that you have tiers is because of different levels of competition. Um, The reason you don't have tiers is because everybody is still playing all the teams because of the cost and expense of playing teams just in your tier. If teams just play in their tier, the cost of traveling to just tier one teams or just tier two teams would be exponential. It would be just outrageous teams and they wouldn't be able to um, continue season to season. So while the tier system seems really cool and neat and necessary, and it kind of uh, went to those people that thought that a tier system was good, the tier system is an example of something that seems really cool and a and great idea but it's really obsolete. It really does not mean anything because you're still having to play tier 2 and tier 3 teams. On the opposite side of that, instead of doing a tier system, you could always take the time to get those teams up to par from tier 3 to tier 2 to tier 1 and have this growth within the within the league. Now, I'm again, I'm not trying to give any suggestions here. I'm trying to show examples of situations where people have made requests or offered opinions and those ha- opinions have been um, fixed or um, given some latitude and things have been implemented because of uh, concerns for tears, etc cetera. Um, so the Women's Football Alliance has addressed these things year after year. Each year they sit down, They come up with um, things that went well, things that went bad, things they want to change, and then additional things they want to implement. So I just have a shout out to the Women's Football Alliance for um, recognizing that women's football is growing and that the teams need guidance and resources to help them. And me and my husband as team uh, development, director of team development, um, we are trying to help teams um get and gain the knowledge that they want they don't have to they don't have to take any advice um, but we are here at, to guide people in understanding women's football and that it can be successful it can be profitable it can make a change in the life of women on their team so with that being said, the women's football Alliance is continuing to grow um, constantly, improving and updating. So a shout out to Lisa King, shout out to win, um, with the Denver Broncos. She's really doing a great job, um, strengthening her team and expanding stuff. Um, and there's several owners throughout the WFA that have been in women's football for decade or plus decade or more. Um, so if you're, looking for any opportunities within women's football whether it be to play or to own a team or to be a support staff or coach um you'll want to go to wfaprofootball.com and check out any teams in your area but with over 70 teams throughout the u.s the wfa is leading women's football in the past women's football has been plagued by the creation of new new leagues or the splitting of teams And um, this all goes back to legitimizing women's football. We have to be serious about our industry to have it move forward. So I see a lot of the fan comments on the Facebook pages that um, support women's football. Um, Fans comment on the idea that one all-encompassing league, um, the idea of that, but they fail to realize that the issues in women's football are not new. Um, Some would say that dysfunction within women's football is caused by superficial problems or power struggles or petty issues. As an industry, it is important to realize that where women's football has been, so you have to realize where women's football's been to understand where we can go. Um, many comments offer we are all in women's football for the same reason. I'm going to tell you that's not true. I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, other comments that I see are why can't teams just get along? Or everyone deserves the opportunity in women's football. Um, first, I'd like to address the idea that we are all in women's football for the same reason. I have to disagree. With those that feel this way, and you would understand um, more of why this is if you looked into the history of women's football, took the time to um, connect with all parties involved, ask questions, and be an educated, knowledgeable person in the industry of women's football. Um, There is a divide in women's football. There's no doubt about it. Um, there are elements that teams do not want to talk about. Um, nobody, everybody kind of wants to hide things under the rug and, and keep things quiet. But eventually those things are going to come back to bite us, especially if women's football grows on a national level. So I'm afraid that until the ideals of the teams become similar, the divide will continue. Um, I hope it doesn't stay that way. Um, because I've always been a proponent of unifying women's football. But a lot of people that are making the comments that women's football should be unified um, have not been a part of the things that have divided women's football and maybe would have a, a different perspective if they had the information and knowledge that they do about women's football. In order to increase sponsorships and gain actual national exposure on a true level, the teams of the league must embrace the idea of building and branding with longevity in mind, okay? I'm gonna say that one more time because I think it's very important. In order to increase revenues, sponsorships, and true national exposure on a real level, the teams of the league must embrace the idea of building and branding with longevity in mind. Okay, so sponsors need to see and get a return on their investment to continue relationships with the teams. If they do not see a reason to invest in the team year to year, then we are not building a foundation we need to grow and expand in the years to come. So a, a company comes and gives you a $1,000 sponsorship and you give them all these things, which you you understand or you realize they have value to them. But if they don't end up bringing value to that sponsor, or you don't help them to understand how to utilize those benefits, then the sponsorship is not going to come back next year. So a lot of teams are starting back at ground one, ground zero, ground one, ground two, whatever, every year because the... Sponsors that you had last year are not staying on to the next year. And that reveals a big, big problem. If you get a sponsor for $1,000 and they don't come back the next year, you have to ask why. Is it because they're not getting a return on their investment? Um, is it because you didn't do what you said you were going to do? Or do they find that there's something else they can do that will give them uh, more return on their investment? It, it, it all depends. And you, you have to answer that question. Um, did you do what you were supposed to do? Did they get any benefit from your sponsorship? Okay. And then as you have those sponsors stay, you know, if you have three stay this year and then three more stay next year, then you'll have six to start the season with. You're already ahead of the game. Okay. So building that foundation is super important. Okay. Let's see here. Sorry, my my cough drop. It's going to choke me. Okay. In order to continue the growth of the sport and positively impact women's football, we need to have specific goals in mind. Okay. Everybody talks about this unity and everybody's here to for the same reason. Again, I told you that's not true. My reasons are completely different from your reasons and your reasons are completely different from another team's reasons. Um, not everybody has the same reasons for being in women's football and they never will. Okay. We never will have the same reasons for being in women's football. Whether it's to have a profitable business, whether it's to uh, gain enough another career field in the NFL or college or uh, other semi-pro men's leagues, or whether it's to be an official, um, all of our reasons are not the same. So again, Please stop saying that we are all here for the same reason because we are not. Okay. So in order to have specific goals for women's football, we need to determine what those goals will be so that at the end of 2019, we can evaluate whether we reached our goals or not. If we reached them, then we need to make bigger goals. If we didn't reach them, then we need to... Evaluate why did we didn't reach them and get better at meeting our goal the next year, right? So for example, reducing the number of team forfeits or increasing awareness of what it takes to run a women's football team or what it takes to be a committed player on a team. Now, earlier I did some things with setting goals and they have to, there has to be a monetary number or a time frame of when and what you're going to do. So for example, we need to come together as a league, as an industry to reduce the number of forfeits. What does that mean? What are first we need to know how many forfeits there were last year. Big talk about all these forfeits, crazy forfeits. I think they said 17 between 17 and 20 forfeits in the WFA. I think my numbers are correct. I'll have to talk to Um, the girl that did the statistics, but in between 17 and 24 fits out of like 135 games. So that's less than 20%. It's still not great, but it kind of puts it in perspective that it wasn't as crazy as people thought it was. Um, So they need to just back off basically. But the goal this year is either reducing it by 10% or eliminating it completely. I would like a goal of eliminating team forfeits completely, but I cannot do, I'm not the one that's in charge of that goal. All the teams are in charge of that goal. So I can have that goal and you cannot, and we don't meet it because we're not working towards a similar foundational building of the organization. Okay. So same thing with how to run a women's football team. Um, That's not, there's no numerical thing in that. Um, You have to be able to know where you're at, know where you want to go, and come up with a goal. Hold on. Uh, Come up with a goal that is feasible. So um, show people. So the example is to show people what it takes to run a women's football team. Um, Hold on just a second. I got a call coming in. Let me pause. Sorry about that interruption um, had an emergency somewhere else. There's the train going by. But anyway, so getting back to the topic, not everyone should own a women's football team and not everyone should play women's football. This kind of goes back. I was talking about the comments that are being made that we're all here for the same reason. That's not true. Um, everyone deserves to the opportunity to play women's football. That's not true. Um, it sounds good. sounds nice, warm, and fluffy, but um, some people cannot play football, a- and it doesn't mean that they are any less of a person, but not everybody um, is made to play women's football, and not everybody is made to own a women's football team. The opportunity is there for those that have a passion for it, right, but It is not a right, and no one has a duty to give someone a place on a team if they are not representative of their team. So all the comments, I I see these comments, and they sound so ridiculous because we are not here for the same reasons. We should not all get an opportunity to play football. Not everybody can play. Not everybody will play. Um, But women's football is an industry um, with opportunity. Women's football has the ability to be great. Uh, The people that are still fighting for women's football year after year know that women's football can be a huge opportunity. Women's football can lead to career opportunities, coaching opportunities, uh, operational staff in the college level or NFL level or men's semi-pro or arena, whatever, but it can lead to different opportunities within women's football and beyond. So what I'm going to do here in this next couple of weeks, I'm putting together, it's a three-part series where I talk about legitimizing women's football, which is basically taking it seriously. Let's take women's football seriously. And what do we need to do to do that? So part one, I'm going to talk about ethical news and reporting Um, With the organizations or the people out there that are reporting about women's football and they are providing false information, Um, the, the news and the reporting segments, whether it's a newspaper, whether it's a blog, or whether it's a podcast, has a duty to report true information, and we'll talk about that. Part two is going to be continuing to build a solid foundation in women's football. A lot of different people have different approaches and different reasons for it. But ultimately, you don't have to like somebody to advance women's football. You don't have to like every other team or every other owner or the league representatives, for that matter, to be successful in women's football. And part three is going to be the potential future of women's football. So I'm going to go through part one, ethical reporting and getting um, women's football legitimized with the um, reporting of content and information um, to help people take women's football seriously. And then, so again, part one. And then part two, we're going to continue to build a solid foundation in women's football. Three potential future of women's football. We're gonna discuss what women's football can look like in the future. What is keeping it from looking that way? What is keeping it from getting there? Um, so that'll be pretty good. So we're gonna do that in a three-part series so that um, I can kind of streamline the content. I hope you guys like the um, where we're at on the calendar for January and planning the season out, how you can do it in a pretty simple manner. But I kind of went through it pretty detailed as to how and what you want to be doing. And then, again, finally, legitimizing and taking women's football seriously. What we need to do as an industry to get women's football there. I really appreciate you guys' time. This is Lynn Liberty Ellington with Women's Football Success. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to me, um, you can reach out via the dallas elite women's football team websites or emails and my staff will get me that email to me and or you can go to women's football success or you can contact me uh, personally at 479-747-3693 i do not answer if i'm in court or if i'm with a client so i usually try to get back within an hour or so if i don't get back to you feel free to call me again Thank you for this week. Episode 1902 is in the books and you guys have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.